0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Dr. Heath Tarbert, Chairman and Chief Executive of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta, investing billions for innovation to tackle climate change. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with CFTC's Dr. Heath Tarbert next Syngenta is committing $2 billion for innovation to tackle climate change. The aim is to deliver at least two technological breakthroughs each year to reduce agriculture's contribution to climate change. That goal is matched by a drive to reduce the carbon intensity of the company's entire operations by at least 50% by 2030. Syngenta, see what innovative thinking and collaboration can accomplish. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Dr. Heath Tarbert assumed the reins of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission in mid-July last year. The agency is one of the least known but most significant institutions in Washington, regulating price discovery of most of the products consumers use every
1: day. Unlike the other financial regulators that focus, let's say, on banking or on securities, The derivatives markets, because they are tied so much to the underlying markets, affect everything from sugar, gasoline, the interest you pay on your home mortgage, uh, and about everything else in between, including these new crypto uh, assets.
0: Is your task now more challenging, given the number of commodities, the exchanges, and especially even the electronic trade that is so
1: dominant now? Absolutely. It also makes the job far more exciting, but the fact that now we have derivatives on all sorts of things, everything again from oil to, to wheat to Bitcoin, really the, the breadth of it, I think, requires us to stay on top of our game and to really understand and learn these underlying markets.
0: How has the shift from the open outcry pit trade to electronic trading and algorithmic trade how does that change the face of your agency and, and, and what you have to do?
1: Well, we have been investing in a lot more technology on our end and really understanding how those markets function now that we're in the age of electronic trading. Overall, electronic trading, I think, is a good thing. We have more price discovery, uh, and, and people can get prices much quicker, and we also have more liquidity, However, at the same time, it's given rise to some new and interesting challenges that we never had before. For example, spoofing. That's when someone basically enters in a bunch of bids or a bunch of buy or sell orders that they have no intention of actually fulfilling. So they throw them out there, they immediately withdraw them, the market moves in their direction, and then they put a bid in the opposite direction. Well, you can't do that in a trading pit. If you're in the streets of Chicago and you say you're going to buy something for a certain amount and then you withdraw it, you're going to probably be taken outside and sorted out. But on the computer, you can do that kind of stuff. And so we're, we're looking at issues like that. You mentioned algorithmic trading. That's a situation where particularly automated trading, I make a distinction between the two, people can use algorithms, but ultimately if it's informing a human being and they're pushing the buy or sell order, that's a lot different than the computer doing the whole thing. Well, if we've got computers doing everything, we've got to be sure that things don't go haywire. And so we're looking at risk controls for that. But overall while these while these technological changes have produced uh, you know some some issues that we need to confront, I think overall our markets are far more efficient now.
0: Whether it's the regulatory agency or the exchange itself, I think I can safely say over a period of years, farmers have been leery about the market and of price discovery and knowing now that electronic trade is so dominant and that algorithms can be plugged into various headlines or numbers and and move uh, automatically uh, how do you bridge the gap of trust so that the end users and the producers can have confidence in the role of the marketplace
1: well we watch our markets every day and we also work with the exchanges it's critically important that our markets reflect actual supply and demand and don't reflect excessive speculation or or the manipulation of traders. So we do that from a market's oversight standpoint. We also do that from an enforcement standpoint. We have a surveillance team that's constantly looking at these markets. And so it is something that we care a lot about. So as you say, our farmers, our ranchers, our people using these markets to price their goods to be able to hedge can do so with confidence.
0: Well, there's been plenty of consolidation in agriculture. I'm curious, have you seen similar reduction in market players, and, and how does that affect your effort to regulate trade?
1: We have seen some consolidation, particularly among financial uh, futures commission merchants. So these are the people that uh, a farmer, a rancher, a grain elevator would go through to place trades part of this actually has to do with a low interest rate environment. It's it's harder for these uh, FCMs to, to, to stand alone. So you're seeing some consolidation. But we're also seeing new new entrants into this market. We're seeing uh, people come in from other countries. We're seeing uh, some some of the banks and financial services firms that didn't necessarily offer these services in the past coming in. But I think we want to make sure that these services remain available to farmers and ranchers, and so it is something we're looking at. And we're asking ourselves the question, okay, there may be some natural consolidation as, as spreads in, and profit margins you know, decline, but is there any reason why they're doing so because of regulation? That's just simply red tape. And so if there are areas that we can improve our ability to regulate these firms, but at the same time reduce some of the unnecessary burdens, we're committed to doing that.
0: I could hear some, some producers uh, and some end users that might say they'd just like to have a market that uh, is about pure hedging and hedging alone, that it would be the real players and only the real players of the market. But but what role does speculation and commodity funds play and, and how important to work these together?
1: It's a great question, and in fact, it's a question we've been asking now for 100, 150 years. I think... Where we've come down is the fact that if there were only hedgers in the market, we wouldn't have markets, or if we did, they wouldn't be liquid. We need speculators. We need people that are willing to go in and buy and sell that don't necessarily have a stake in the physical markets because they're willing to commit buyers and sellers, and it may very well be that if a farmer wants to hedge a position uh, and enter into a futures contract, the only willing buyer of that contract on the other end may be an index fund. And so what we don't want to do is discourage people to come into that market, because I've heard from so many many farmers, particularly ranchers in, in the cattle side of things, that they don't see the levels of liquidity they need. And when you don't have liquidity, it's much more expensive to hedge. So we're always looking for that balance between having Lots of players in our markets who can make these contracts liquid, but not having something that what many people have referred to as excessive speculation. Because as, as I said earlier, we do want to make sure these markets actually reflect supply and demand.
0: What is the blessing and what is the curse of the Dodd-Frank Act now so many years after?
1: Now, I think on the derivative side, Title Seven of the Dodd-Frank Act, which basically took the swaps markets which were not regulated, and we do see agricultural swaps, uh, these were over-the-counter, they were not as liquid as future exchanges, and they were very opaque. It took that regime and it put it under our purview, and it required everyone to have margin, to have capital. So essentially they were very similar to the futures markets and the way that they present risk to the United States and the financial system. So I think the Dodd-Frank Act was right to take the futures market Put it under, put the vast majority of it under the CFTC's purview. I think other people have said that the Dodd-Frank Act maybe doesn't necessarily do good things in other areas. Uh, some of the provisions are highly political. I think there's a concern that maybe there's been too much regulation, that there's been very too specific, that it hasn't had the principles-based approach that let's say the CFTC has had in recent years. But primarily, those are issues with other financial regulators, and you're seeing that borne out now as the new financial regulators that have come in after those that have initially adopted the Dodd-Frank Act are thinking about how do we recalibrate, particularly when you look at the effect of the Dodd-Frank Act on smaller players in the industry, like small and community banks. So you saw Congress pass a law to sort of provide some relief there and some of the other regulators. In the CFTC space, the Dodd-Frank Act actually reinforced our principles-based approach. And so from our standpoint, it's generally done good things.
0: So it seems to me a, a challenge to balance the need of risk management tools for producers, for end users, yet still in a provided environment that speculators and commodity funds can all participate together.
1: That's exactly right. But if I had to put my thumb on the scale for one side or the other, there's no question in my mind that it's farmers and ranchers and, and people that are using these markets to hedge. The whole regime was built for them. So so and, and so my whole tenure as chairman has been focused on making sure what we call end users, those people that are using these derivatives to hedge, that the markets work for them. But... The markets may not work at all. They may not be as liquid if we don't have these other players into the market. And so we're always trying to get that that golden mean to find that balance between making sure these markets are as as efficient as possible. But if our agricultural community can't go to these markets and hedge their, their risk, then in my view, these markets aren't working.
0: How do you balance the reins of regulation, either too tight or too loose, with the need to allow markets to freely trade and established values.
1: So one of the ways we've done that is through position limits. And yesterday, we introduced a proposal to address that very issue, where we allow some degree of speculation, but we put limits on those speculators. And that is essentially to get at the problem of, number one, corners and squeezes, where people are going into these markets not to hedge, but to actually manipulate them, or to create excessive speculation where you have these volatile price swings. At the same time, we don't want to drive these people completely out of our market because we want there to be liquidity so our end users can hedge. And so what we did in the position limits proposal was to put hard federal limits on our legacy agricultural contracts and then 16 other contracts, that uh, some of which are agricultural in nature, others are energy and metals, but that ultimately affect every American. At the same time... We actually made it much easier for people that need to go above those limits that are actually hedging. The, the term is bona fide hedging, and that just means genuine, authentic hedgers. We want to make things easier for them, and that's how we get to the balance that, that you described.
0: It was a 3-2 to two vote with regard to those position limits. And we heard almost immediately Senate Democrat Debbie Stabenow, the ranking member on the Senate Ag Committee, calling on the commission to strengthen the proposal. So is this proposal set in stone or is it still a working document?
1: First of all, people are very pleased, everything that I've heard, that we actually have a proposal out there. This has been tried several times in the last 10 years, and it's never stood the test of time. So every day that we wait and we don't get federal position limits in place, we run the risk of having excessive speculation and corners and squeezes. And so so we're very much committed to it. So I think as a whole, people are very pleased that we actually have a proposal out there that we think is workable from a standpoint. This starts a comment period, a 90-day comment period. And so it absolutely is subject to change. And we've asked the agricultural community, we've asked the energy community, we've asked all Americans to comment on it. We want the best proposal possible, but one of the things that this proposal did was not repeat the mistakes of the past. And one of those key mistakes of the past, why those previous proposals failed, was because it didn't offer flexibility to farmers, ranchers, and end users uh, that our markets were meant to serve. So while there may be... uh, you know, sort of tweaks and things that we can make in this proposal, and I'm certainly open to that. I want the best proposal possible to be adopted as a law. I think what you'll see from our agricultural community is that we listened to them, we took them seriously, and we acted on it.
0: This has been a period of time under the Trump administration. There's been a whole lot of concentration on trade and trade agreements. So, from the perspective of the regulatory control of markets, how important is international cooperation between governments and agencies? especially per se Europe or Asia?
1: That, that is a great question because I literally just got off the phone about an hour ago uh, with with the Europeans on how we can cooperate better as we oversee each other's clearing houses and market participants. It's very important. I think when people think about the CFTC they don't necessarily think of an international agency but as it turns out and I ran the international division at the Treasury Department for some period The CFTC is actually arguably the most international of all the financial regulators because the derivatives markets are so interconnected in a way that other markets aren't. And why is that? Well, we regulate derivatives on commodities. And commodities are commodities all around the world. Wheat is wheat. Sugar is sugar. Oil is oil. uh, with, with, With some differences, but not too much. And as a result, the prices are all interconnected. That's not true with the stock market. That's not true with real estate prices, right, where they differ from country to country. And so as a result of our derivatives markets being so global in nature, with something in China affecting the price here and vice versa, we need to be on top of our game and making sure that we're cooperating with our fellow regulators.
0: Would you care to speak to these electronic currency platforms that have developed?
1: So it's really interesting, the whole world of digital assets some people call them cryptocurrencies. Some people call them crypto assets. I don't like to use the term currency because I think at this point none of them are actually like uh, real legal tender, as in money. But they are something that has generated a lot of buzz, a lot of interest, and they're a multi million billion dollar industry. Uh, my view on these uh, uh, digital assets is is that the blockchain technology underlying them is something that has the chance of fundamentally transforming the global financial system. And when I look at something like blockchain, and it could very well be that within 10 years, we have farmers and ranchers using blockchain technology. Some of them may be using it now. What I want is for the United States to lead in this technology. And so from the standpoint of the CFTC, I'm thinking about ways that we can responsibly regulate these digital assets, but at the same time allow innova- innovation and encourage innovation. Uh, some of them are regulated by us uh, if they trade on a uh, what we call a designated contract market, which is basically a futures exchange, but a lot of these other digital assets are in the cash markets, and we do not regulate those. So that has been a challenge because I think we want to make sure that we're looking out at this market, there's not fraud and manipulation. But we don't have federal authority to regulate something that's not linked to derivatives.
0: The CFTC has held listening sessions prior to your tenure, and I uh, heard you at the same time suggest that it was a goal to be out into the Midwest and to listen to those market participants. What have you heard? What do you hope to hear when you take the show on the road?
1: Well thank you. Uh in fact, it, it we I've had the privilege of of going to some Midwestern states. I continue to do that in places where there's agriculture. I'm going to do I'm going to be at the Cattlemen's Convention next week down in Texas. But one of the things I'm committed to doing is actually holding an open meeting for the first time in 45 years as long as the history the agency's been around out in Kansas City. Just to make clear that we care about rural america we care about the rest of america we're not just going to stay huddled up here in washington dc when i talk to people out on the countryside i think their main view is that the derivatives markets are really important Uh, you know i think people think of the derivatives markets as being just full of finance but that's not the case there are individual farmers and ranchers that rely on these markets to stay around i I talked to one uh, rancher who said he would not have his cattle business if it wasn't for the derivatives markets because he uses them to hedge in other cases farmers and ranchers, as of course you know uh, they'll enter into forward agreements and purchase agreements with their local elevator their elevator may hedge using the derivatives markets but the bottom line is the price is set that price discovery mechanism that you mentioned at the start of our conversation that is absolutely critical to stability in our ag markets and so People want to stress to me the importance of that and that we need to get that right, and and particularly the ability to use these markets for hedging. And so I have heard that, and, and, and everything I do at the CFTC will be directed toward that end.
0: I've spoken with some market analysts prior to your and my conversation, and Some of them shared a common interest, frustrated that the commitment of traders to report uh, only comes weekly and includes data that, frankly, may be a little bit old. They wondered, was it not possible, especially with electronic trade, to have multiple reports weekly or data that's not quite as old?
1: Thank you. Uh, One of the things that I'm looking at as chairman is how we collect data, how we use data, and how we disseminate data. And so that question and a bunch of others relating to data are things that I'm actively looking at.
0: So many different elements of the CFTC, but you also have economists that offer market outlooks. What role do they play and and who do they speak to?
1: So we have economists in, in various divisions here at the CFTC. We have the Office of Chief Economist that takes sort of a more macro view, and then we have a market surveillance uh, function which looks at mainly potential irregularities, and then we have something called the Market Intelligence Bureau. All of them have economists, so they're all looking at these markets. They're doing economic analysis every day. Um, the one that I think I rely on, I rely on all of them for different things, but the, the one that is particularly important to the point that you mentioned is our Market Intelligence Bureau. Uh, every week, and more frequently than that, I get a briefing on all the commodities and what's going on out there in the markets. I think it's really important that we understand trajectories, we understand what's going on, and so they play a critical role, uh, not only in informing us so we know what's going on in the markets, but also in policy making. We rely on them critically. So, for example, in our position limits rule, we have to set those limits, and we want to make sure we get them right. If the limits are too high, well, then they're not really limits at all. If the limits are too low, they'll squeeze liquidity. And so, one of the things that our that our chief economist, our Market Intelligence Bureau, do is constantly look at these markets, uh, look at them not only now but historically how how they've grown, and so we can make good policy.
0: Dr. Tarbert, we want to thank you very much for taking time out of a busy schedule to speak with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and sir, you have the last word today.
1: Well, thank you so much. If there's anything I want to impart on your listeners before I leave today, it's that I understand that our farmers and ranchers are at the heart of the real economy. I also understand that for the past decade or so, U.S. agricultural production has faced turbulence from natural disasters, low commodity prices. All of your listeners are forced to spend a lot of time thinking about how to mitigate risk and insulate themselves from potential losses. I realize there are other programs in the U.S. government, farm bill programs, crop insurance, that are an important part of that equation. But as chairman of the CFTC, I also understand that our derivatives markets are key. And I'm reminded by President Eisenhower's maxim that the proper role of the government is to be the partner of the farmer, never his or her master. So I want your listeners to know that I care about them, I care about American agriculture, and everything I do at the CFTC Hopefully, we'll make that clear. So thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor.
0: Our thanks to Dr. Heath Tarbot, Chairman and Chief Executive of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta, investing billions for innovation to tackle climate change. For AgriPulse, I'm Jack Daly.